Welcome to the Gen Z Show, the only show dedicated to young leaders and those who work with them to create a positive revolution that will inspire this generation to impact future generations. With your host, James McLean. Welcome to the Gen Z Show. I'm your host, James McLam, and today I want to ask you a question to lead into our show. How excited are you about your the prospect of the youth that you have at home or the youth that you work with going to college, transferring out of your home into uh, that college experience? But are you concerned? Are you worried about the testing that happens? Well, our guest today, Josh Aronovich, is a college preparatory coach, but really what he does is he helps young people find their path, their purpose, and their passion in life as he prepares them for the college entrance exams. He's really discovered and found that the secret of working with young people is building in them that passion and helping them find that and helping them develop that. And the vehicle that he does it through is college preparatory exams. Listen, if you have a young person in high school at all and you have aspirations of them going to college, you need to really look at this program and really look at what Josh has to offer. It is amazing. He's very successful with some of the uh, programs that he has. I'm excited to share this with you. I know you're going to enjoy it as well. So let's get to our interview with Josh Aronovich. Josh, welcome to the Gen Z Show. Thank you for being our guest today. It is an honor and a pleasure to be here. You know, you're not connected, I guess, uh, about five, six months ago and started talking about your journey. And I really loved what you're doing. So I'm, I'm really excited about being able to share this with our audience. And as we get into it, I'll relate, you know, some previous guests that we had that are kind of tied to what you do, but they're on a different end of the college journey. And sure. I, I thought that was kind of cool that all this was kind of working together synergy that happens here uh, mm -hmm. quite a bit. But our audience heard a little bit uh, from, about you uh, from me in our intro, but they always love to hear from our guests. So if you wouldn't mind, take a few uh, seconds and, and introduce yourself to our, our audience. So hello, everyone. My name is Josh Aronovich, and I am a recovering lawyer. And <laughs> I like to say that because, as many of you, I had high goals. I went to a good college, great law school, and I realized in the midst of law practice. I was doing big deal stuff, private equity, mergers and acquisitions, sort of like flipping houses, but flipping companies. And I realized that it was feeding my wallet, but it wasn't feeding my soul. Mm. And I knew that there's gotta be more to life than working 90 hours a week to make rich people richer. There's gotta be more to life than doing something that you like, but don't love. So I gave my two weeks notice in summer of 2008, 4th of July weekend, actually. And then thought, okay, crap, what do I do now? So I did some real soul searching and I thought about when was I happiest when I was working? And it was actually when I was paying my way through Harvard Law School, teaching LSAT classes about 30 to 60 hours a week. So at first did I wanted say to say 30 to 60. Yes. Yes. And I you were in law school. Law yes. school law school's expensive. Got to do what you got to do. Wow. And I loved it though. I loved when someone would text me, 
um, oh my God, I got into Stanford. I got into Harvard. I would love when someone would text me that they were up 10, 20 points on their LSAT. I love the flash of light in someone's eyes when they finally understand a concept they're struggling with. And I loved helping people choose their growth and what they wanted to be, what who they wanted to become on the way toward their goals. But unfortunately, my old boss said no when I asked him to license his content. And he had actually given the right of first refusal to some other folks. Uh, and he couldn't even teach his classes outside of Boston or New York. Wow. So instead, I started an SAT coaching company. So I started the Aronovich Coaching Experience back in 2008 before coaching was cool. And I started with three kids around a 12th grade teacher of mine's dining room table, her daughter and two of her friends. And since then, I've grown that to almost 1,700 teens and 20-somethings. Oh. And without going into too much detail now, because I know you're going to ask about it later, I found something that I absolutely love. Because while I coach for the SATs, I coach teens and 20-somethings how to get into better colleges and grad schools. I coach them on leadership, on figuring out their path, purpose, and passion in life. What I really do is I teach people how to intentionally grow into the best versions of themselves. I believe in people so hard that they can't help but start to believe in themselves. And I inspire and teach them to dream bigger and then rise to meet the level of their dreams. So I that's love that. I, I just love that. When you, you I just took my notes here, path, uh, purpose, and passion. I really like that. I really like that a lot. We're going to jump into that one there because mm -hmm. I, I want to explore that. When I was coming through school, now I, my audience knows, you know, where I am in, in life as far as age-wise, but there wasn't a lot of this going on. A lot of people helping train folks to take the SAT, mm -hmm. the ACT. Maybe that I don't even remember when I first my first experience with grad school with people that were helping folks with uh, no matter which of the two tests they were mm -hmm. taking for the for grad school. I, I don't even remember that you had books. I remember you could go mm -hmm. to the bookstore and buy stuff. That was about it. So why is this needed? Why? Why was there a need for this? So I'm going to start out and say something that you should never say in business or marketing. And not everyone needs me. Not everyone is going to be a potential client because the truth is there are a lot of colleges out there that are as desperate to get students as some students are desperate to get into the top schools. So you can get into a college. You can work on your own and do okay on the SATs. You can apply to some schools that aren't very selective without SAT scores. But for students that want more for themselves in terms of the quality of the school, the challenge of the school, the level of their peers that are going to be going to school with them. For folks that want to go to a school, maybe that's not as selective, but want significant scholarship money, where paying for school is a challenge. Those are the ones that I can really help. Because the fact of the matter is, the SAT is ridiculous. It is a stupid test that does not measure how smart you are, how good you are. It has no correlation with how well you're going to do in school or how good you are in general. But what it is, it's standardized. It's comparing apples to apples. If you think about two kids, you think about a kid, two kids that go to the same high school. And one of them has Mr. A for chemistry. One of them has Mrs. B. And Mrs. B is a notoriously hard grader. So a B plus in Mrs. B's class is like a 100 in Mr. A's class. Mm -hmm. And everyone that goes to that school knows that. But people at the colleges you're applying to don't. 
And that's two people taking the same class in the same school. Now think about comparing people that are taking different classes in different states with different curricula at different times, at different levels, with different teachers. And you're not even comparing apples to apples. You're not comparing apples to oranges. It's more like comparing wrenches to kiwis, two things that have absolutely <laughs> nothing to do with each other. So for all its faults, the SAT gives colleges a way of comparing everybody on the same scale. And the beauty of it is, as ridiculous as the test is, as frustrating as it is, as much as some folks struggle with it, with the test-taking anxiety, with the psychology of it, it's beatable. It's coachable. And that's why folks benefit from working with me. My average student goes up 249 points. My record is 550 points. But learning... If, if you're listening and you cannot see my eyes, they are explodingly worldwide right now because that was amazing numbers. But it's not even the numbers. It's the fact that people can learn on their own, watching videos, reading books about how to get a question right. What they can't learn that way is why they were getting it wrong. And the beauty of having a coach who can actually understand how you think, how you learn, who can get into the conversation you're having in your own head, they can help you see your own blind spots. They can help you to realize not only how to do it right, but how to prevent yourself from doing it wrong, how to catch yourself before you look at it the wrong way and make the careless mistake. So it's a process of, it's not practice makes perfect. You can take a million practice tests and not get any better because you're just practicing doing the same thing the same way wrong. What you can do though is, and it's cheesy, but it works. It's practice followed by correction, followed by reflection followed by perfect practice. So you practice, you correct. We go over what you got wrong. See, a lot of people don't like getting stuff wrong because it, it hits the ego. But when you get something wrong and you look at it with gratitude and you realize that this mistake is an opportunity to grow, this mistake is an opportunity to learn why I did it wrong, what I need to do differently, and fix that once and for all so I never make the same mistake again. And that's true in testing and that's true in life. Our failures, our mistakes are there to teach us something. And if we truly reflect and learn the lesson of them, that's where the magic happens. That's where the growth happens. That's why reflection is the most important stage. And then perfect practice. You apply what you've learned on the next practice, the next attempt, the next time you do something. And then you do better and rinse and repeat. Wow. So that's what a great coach can help someone to do, to truly learn the lessons, their mistakes are there to teach them. So let's go through that practice, uh, correction, reflection, and practice perfection. G give us a little overview of how that works with a student. Say, uh, if I, my son had to come to you, you know, mm -hmm. when he was 18, he's, he's 20 now. And he, well, he'll be 20 soon. Uh, he's already saying he's 20. Um, well, one, you know, I would hope he would come to me at 15 instead. Um, okay. Okay. He came offer, to you. Yeah. 15, 16. Yeah. Yeah. I, I offer unlimited free repeats of my program. So I encourage students to come as early as they can because then they keep coming back. They keep learning. They keep growing at no additional charge. I want to make it so it's as easy as possible for folks to start sooner because then they can use the lessons they learn from this, not just on the SAT, but throughout their high school experience. So if your son came to me, 
he would start out by taking a practice test under test conditions. And then we would look at for him, if it's one-on-one or for him and the group, if it's a group coaching experience, what the kids got wrong, why they got it wrong, what they were thinking, what they need to learn or do differently. And then we would have a conversation about it. And we would talk about what they can learn from this and then use that question as a launching point to talk about other questions they might see, different mindsets, approaches, strategies for the test. And then also talking about the psychology of the test and how to really master your own mental approach to the test taking experience. Because so much of the test is not just knowing it, but it's knowing how to react when you start to feel anxious. It's when you're on a question and it's not working and you're getting frustrated. Instead of getting stuck on that question and banging your head against the wall and then finally throwing up your hands and getting the next two questions wrong too because you're so pissed off, it's about recognizing five seconds, 10 seconds in that a question's not working and then immediately moving on to the next one. Not giving that question a chance to mess with your head. I call it getting off the freaking train because you're not only on the wrong track, you're on the wrong freaking train. The only thing to do is get off the freaking train. And by doing that, you can go through, get the rest of the questions right, and then go back to what you skipped with plenty of time left because you never got stuck. You never got bogged down. And then you're able to get those right because you're looking at them with fresh eyes. So that's an example of one of the sort of non-substance points that I'll use a question or a series of questions as an opportunity to talk about. And then once we've done that in our session, the student will go and reflect on their own, look back over the test, think about the questions they got wrong and why and what they've learned from it, review their notes from the experience working with me. And then they go and do their next practice test for the next week's class. Do the uh, do the parents and the and the uh, participants that you have coming through the program do they realize what I've just heard that you're not just teaching them how to prepare for a test but you're teaching them how to prepare for life? Oh, absolutely! Because that process that you just laid out, I, I'm sitting inside exploding with excitement because I'm thinking, yeah, these 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 kids have no idea when they're walking in there that he is giving them far more of that. Oh, yeah. Um, the SAT, honestly, is just an excuse. It's an excuse to help people grow into who they're meant to be. Ooh. One of my gifts is I have this double vision where I can see someone exactly as they are. And feeling seen, feeling truly seen and understood is so important and so rare. But in addition to seeing people as they are, I see them as they're capable of growing into. And I love to help plant those seeds and help people to see the next level of what's possible for them, of helping them to build on their own superpowers and to realize how amazing they are. So you're really life coaching them and just using this as a vehicle. Oh, for sure. Hmm. What's the expression Hmm. in business? Sell them what they want and give them what they need. Give them what they need. Yeah. Well, this is, the, this is probably what they would want, but they wouldn't know how to articulate it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh, and for those that do, that's where the path, purpose, and passion coaching comes in. Because there are folks I work with after I've done SAT stuff or folks that I work with. These parents are like, you know what? My son, my daughter isn't sure what he wants to do. He, he's drifting. He feels lost. He does okay in school, but he's just not motivated. Mm-hmm. So that's when I dive in and we explore someone's personality. We think about the things that have sparked interest and joy in their life, and we help them find some of the possibilities 
worth exploring in terms of potential careers. A lot of people, when they talk about career coaching or majors or things in college, they start in the wrong place. They start by focusing on the career or start by focusing on the major. What I like to do instead is I start focusing on what is the relationship you want to have with work in your life? Do you want to work nine to five, get home and not have to worry about it until the next day? Is work just something you're going to do to make as much as you can to provide for your family? Or is it important for you that your work is part of your identity, that you're doing something in your work, that it's an avocation, not just a vocation, that it's moving the needle to a better world? What is the impact you want to have on the world? When you're looking back at your life after 100 years, what do you want to be proudest of? And those are the questions. What are the feelings they want to have each day at work? How important is it to be challenged? How much? How important is it not to be stressed? And those are the conversations that help to shape a sense of what work needs to look like. And then from there, we start thinking about careers and interests. And we try to create a sense of, for the multiple possible awesome paths, what are the degrees, credentials, relationships, experiences, and knowledge base that you would need to get to where you want to get. And then we work backwards to what programs, what schools will get them there. And the idea is that people change their minds. People change their minds multiple times sometimes in college in terms of their major. Yeah. Yeah. And even with me after graduating from grad school. But the idea is if you're moving forward, you're moving forward to something even if you don't know what that something is. And if you build a thick branch and you walk out on that branch, as you walk out further, you can see the thinner branches and the options that are before you. But if you never create the thicker branch, you never start walking out on it, you'll never see what those options are. Part of this is just helping people listen to that small, still voice inside when they feel that excitement about something to trust. I I love that. And I'm I'm sitting here thinking of of students that, well, young people that I've I've worked with and some that their parents have contacted me on. And when you said moving forward, that just really struck a chord with me, Josh, because Mm -hmm. I hear them say they're stuck in life. They don't Mm -hmm. know what they're doing. They're spinning their wheels. They're in school. But they don't know. They're not there for a reason. They don't know why. Not, yeah. They, they, they say this is a major they like, but they're showing no mm-hmm. enthusiasm, no motivation right. for it. Um, and they're just kind of pitter patter around. What, you know, what would you do with a kid like that? I mean, that, that is such an open ended, bad podcast question because it's not specific, but, but well, it's just it's, one that comes to my mind. With a personality test. I use uh, 16 personalities, which is a version of the Myers-Briggs. And what I do is I don't just have them take it. I have them take it while sharing their screen on the Zoom so I can not just see the result, but see what their answers are to specific questions. Because that gives me an insight into who they are. And not only do I see their answers, I see when they hesitate over one answer and then pick something else. And that tells me something. It's sort of the way they answer the question, how confident they are. And using that and the personality they come up with and which ones are close gives me a sense of who they are personality-wise. And then I just ask the right questions. I ask them about things that they love. I ask them about things that they hate. I ask them about what are the things that give them joy now in their life and when they were younger. I ask them what they wanted to be when they grew up, when they were before they knew any better. I try to figure out what their dreams were before they compromised with themselves and decided to do something that's realistic or something that makes more money. And then we really focus on the idea of sort of ikigai, of the Japanese concept of the four intersecting circles, of things that 
make you happy, things that make good money, things that you're good at, and things that make the world better. And the intersection of those four circles is your purpose. So it's starting those conversations and trying to take all the little interests and finding to weave, a way to weave them together into something that's uniquely theirs. Wow. Like one of my students who was a, a baseball player who was good at math, but who wasn't really motivated that much in school, didn't really know what his major was. He was good at stuff, but he didn't really love it. And we realized he wanted to be an agent. He wanted to be an agent, a, a yes. sports agent? Yes. And that was the perfect way of combining all the different interests. And he's going to go to college. He's going to actually tutor athletes so he can start to build relationships uh, and work on the business sense. He's going to do a finance degree and then go to law school. And then he's going to take the agent exam for the different uh, major league sports. Wow. That's a career path laid out for how old is the kid now? Um, 16. 16. That's he's, he's pretty much got about a 14 year journey ahead of him. Yeah. But now he's motivated to take the steps now that get him closer to that. I think the more that we know where we want to go, the more it excites us to take the next step. Mm. And by helping folks have that, and even if they change their mind, see, the beautiful thing about a goal is the power of a goal is not necessarily reaching the goal. The power of a goal is how we grow on the way in trying to reach it. So even if we don't reach that goal, we grow in the process, and then maybe we see a bigger, better goal that we couldn't have seen until we made that progress. Mm, but again, as you're building yourself, you're building your skills, you're moving forward, and it's okay to change your mind. Everything happens for a reason. And we assign the reason to it. We construct the story around our experiences. We can't control what happens, but we absolutely can control the story we give to what happens and whether that story serves us or does a disservice to us? Josh, you're, you're I, I think we've piqued some interest right now with some parents. Uh, and they're wondering, they're questioning, they're saying, I think this is my son, but I'm not sure. Describe kind of what this may look like. You know, who these, who, who who's the best clients for, for this kind of service? Uh, that is such another guys. I'm doing a horrible job today on podcasting questions, but my mind is just running at a at a thousand things as you're you're dropping these truth bonds on me. It's kind of got me off culture because I'm like, man, this is deep stuff. I'm I'm I am more on the listening side and learning than probably the audience is right now. So the best way to figure out whether your child is someone who would benefit from my services, whether it's SAT prep, whether it's college admissions coaching, whether it's the Path Purpose Passion coaching, whether it's leadership coaching is reach out and schedule a free call with me so I can talk to you about where they are in their story and figure out what they need. The first step is to have a conversation with someone who can see the forest and not just the trees. I've worked with almost 1,700 students since I started doing this, so I'm able to see certain patterns and pick up on things that Parents may not because they're too close to the situation. Plus, yeah, yeah. oftentimes kids can't hear it coming from the parent because, oh, you have to say that. You're my mom. Uh, you love me. Of course you're going to say this. But hearing it from someone who's objective, hearing it from someone else can echo what you've been trying to tell them for years and actually help it to get through. So to give a description of what you're doing here, is there two different levels people can come in on? 
the SAT prep and then also maybe the path passion and yeah, preparation, but also college admissions coaching is sort of okay. a third part where this is where someone may have know what they want to do. Uh, there are folks that have wanted to be cardio thoracic surgeons since they saw Christina Yang on Grey's Anatomy. Uh, <laughs> there are kids that I call them type one teens in my book. Um, but those kids are the ones that don't need the path purpose passion because they know what they want to do. For them, it's about helping them strategize the best way to get from here to there. And that's helping them identify which colleges, that's helping them with the SAT, sure, but also with their applications, their essays, helping them figure out experiences where they can jump off the page. Because the problem is at the top schools, they're more competitive than ever. At the yeah. top, most elite colleges, colleges that used to accept 20% of their applicants are now accepting less than five. And you can have perfect GPA, perfect SAT scores and still not get in. In fact, they could fill their classes five times over with people with those credentials. So the way I look at it is, there's three legs of the stool to get into the conversation. Your grades, your SAT scores, and your academic rigor, how much you challenge yourself. If those three things are in line, and what in line means varies depending on how selected the school is, then you're in the game. You're in the conversation. But they've got way more people with those spots, with those skills, with those numbers than they have spots. So then it's everything else. It's which classes did you take? It's... Um, what is your major? What is your passion? Uh, do we need people in that area? And um, are you a ath talent athlete? Uh, are you a legacy? Are you um, someone who's going to be active as an editor of the school newspaper? They try to picture what role you'll play on their campus and in their freshman class. See, a lot of people think that being admitted or denied is a judgment on the merits of the individual. It's not. It's not about that student. It's about how that student fits in to the freshman class they're constructing. And it may be that they just had five piccolo players graduate. So they're going to be looking for piccolo players. It may be that they need to replenish the bent strength of their school newspaper. It may be that the band needs a trombonist. There are so many factors that we don't know in terms of what individual colleges are looking for, especially at that elite level of Ivy or near Ivy. So it becomes a matter of do everything you can to not just be like everybody else with great grades and scores, but to be unapologetically and authentically everything that you are. Lean into your uniqueness. Don't just follow the path that everyone else follows. Do things that make your soul fit sing. Do things that excite you. Create things. Assemble teams. Reach out to people that have similar interests across the country. I have one student who is fascinated by artificial intelligence, and she wants to create a teen summit on teens interested in artificial intelligence. Wow. That's the kind of thing that's going to jump off the page when she applies to schools, but she's not doing it to look good to schools. And that's the key. Do the things you would love to do anyway, even if it didn't help your chances at all. Do the things that will just make you excited to be alive and then talk about them. That is what's going to marry with your grades and scores in a way that's going to make you irresistible to the schools that you want to go to. Wow. Wow, that's that's amazing that she's doing that. I love that. I just keep coming back to this path, uh, path purpose, and passion because I just, mm -hmm. I just see so many young people that are struggling. I got an email yesterday mm -hmm. from a guy who's saying, hey, can you refer me to one of your coaches in your program? for my son, you know, that's coming up and, and then gave his phone number and didn't really give a description of it. But I kind of get the feeling that this guy's kind of lost and he's, he's, mm -hmm. he's, uh, you know, struggling with 
lack of motivation, you know, and, and you get lack of motivation. Sometimes you're getting depression in students. Absolutely. And especially if you don't know what you want to do or if what you want to do doesn't seem connected to what you're doing in school, school just doesn't seem important. And a lot of kids that are smart, that have ability, that have talent, struggle mm-hmm. in school because they just make, can't make themselves do the work because they don't see the point. They I'm don't see over- the connection. I'm looking over, see if I can see that. Then I see the book. I just can't th- see the uh, uh, right. The path of purpose uh, mm-hmm. that was written um, by Stanford. It was a Stanford professor. It was talking about path of purpose, helping you find purpose in life. And, and it, one of the things it talks about is that that's going to be a help for them when it comes to these. It can be a help. It's not mm-hmm. the help. It's not the answer. Sure. But but it can be a. a, a help to them that are overcoming some of the mental uh, mental issues, mental health mm-hmm. issues that we're seeing. Uh, would you would you agree with that? What are your thoughts on that? Absolutely. I think that people are struggling with mental health more than ever before. Now, part of that is just because we have a vocabulary and we're removing the stigma. So people are talking about it more. True. But also it's because our, our society is broken. I mean, Jan McGonigal writes about it in a book, great book called Reality is Broken where she mm-hmm. uses the art and science of game design to look at the psychological needs that our schools, our workplaces aren't meeting. Um, I think that's part of it. But it's also, we live in a culture that prizes hard work, but doesn't talk to people about why they're working hard and what they're working toward. So there's this disconnect between effort and reward. Mm-hmm. And there's a sense in a lot of workplaces and it trickles down into schools that your hard work is rewarding someone else uh, and not rewarding you and that people are being exploited. They're being taken advantage of. You see the great resignation recently. And I think Gen Z is really smart and they are aware in a way that people haven't always been. So they know when something doesn't smell right. And they know that the society we live in, the social compact, doesn't quite smell right right now. Mm. They haven't figured out what the answer is. They haven't necessarily figured out sort of how to recreate it. But they know that certain things that we used to take for granted don't seem to fit well anymore. Mm. So part of that and part of why I think I'm able to be successful in what I do is that I start from a starting point of absolute respect for my clients, for my teens and 20-somethings, for the fact that they are not the one that's wrong. They are not broken or they are not looking at it the wrong way. They're not take, it's not, not that they're not taking seriously enough. It's that they are dealing with very real issues and they are facing very real struggles. And taking them seriously, facing them head on, approaching everything with radical honesty and radical empathy, I think, is key to breaking through the barriers that they've created for their own self-protection. Wow. You're dropping some major bombs here today, some stuff. And it's going in directions that I just love because what I'm hearing is, is, is you're not only giving great advice for, you know, the potential student, that for, you know, the, these are the things you need to be thinking about, or and the parent. You know, these are the things you need to think about. But you're also dropping these bombs on, on, on folks who are actually in a position that you are, but mm-hmm. are but are maybe looking at it from only 
the end product being a better score. Yeah. And and that was one of the things that Josh that when you and I first talked that I took away with when I got off the phone with you was this is different what he's doing mm-hmm. than most academic tutoring or sure. you know or or testing prep because mm-hmm. he he's you know you know he sees that bigger picture of what they're doing and understands on this and, and that I think this conversation is really coming at a good time for me because I've had so many conversations of late with parents who are struggling. I, I, today, a mother was struggling. You know, she has a son that's a freshman, I think a freshman mm-hmm. and in college and is, again, just kind of going through the motions. And well, that's actually that. something that I'm really excited about. I'm in the process right now of preparing to launch a brand new program called the Freshman 16. The 16 keys to unlock more joy, less stress, and limitless success in college and beyond. Wow. A group coaching program for college freshmen to help them find purpose, deal with distractions, and just make sure they get what they came for. Giving them a vehicle where they can connect with other folks that want to do well, but also want to be in a good place and really reflect on that first year of college experience that can be sometimes alienating and disconnecting, uh, or they can sort of numb pain by partying and doing all the wrong things. But having that group to both give advice, to help them feel seen and heard, but also to connect them with each other, I think could do some really valuable things and prevent folks from having that first year in college struggle. Well, you know, I think that's needed now more than ever. We have a we have a group that is coming out, you know, they're freshmen, sophomores, and even juniors, uh, not as much the juniors that are in college as it is the sophomores and freshmen, that their last two, two and a half years of their high school experience was overshadowed with a worldwide event that just mm-hmm. caused them to lose focus, lose momentum. And I don't think people really understand that. Uh, my son, for instance, you know, the and was a junior in 2020 mm-hmm. and then everything shut down. Yep. And he I, really I didn't get that center. That senior year was kind yeah. of, you know, yeah, it was a, a pale shadow of what it would have been. And yeah. I think people underestimate the extent to which kids feel cheated by that. that well, they yeah, not only that, that. They, they misunderstand they, uh, that parents and everybody just doesn't realize there are so many things. Now, I was a, a teacher for a decade, mm-hmm. almost a decade, and there's so many little things, subtle things mm-hmm. that teachers do as you transition from being a junior in high school to a senior in high school, Mm -hmm. they talk to you differently. There's events that they expect you to go to. You have senior parking days, senior pictures. There's all all these these little little moments that are part of that coming of age story. Yes. That coming of age, it helps prepare them to, Mm -hmm. to launch. Yes. And this, these two, they didn't get those things. They didn't get those things. It's almost like they were in stasis and they're launching off to college as sophomores. Yes. Yeah, and then they and then some of them started their college experience still in this mm-hmm. stasis, and then when everything came back to pre-pandemic normality, you know what we were it, then. Yeah, it sort of exacerbated trends that were already happening, where mm-hmm. the generation that feels more connected through digital than they do in person. 
where even with their friends that live two doors down, most of their communication is through a screen. I think it was Dr. Tim Elmore that says this is the most connected generation in history, but also the most lonely. Yes. And I think that there is a beauty in people's ability to connect digitally and in shrinking the world and being able to have friends in other countries. I mean, for me personally, the fact that I went from 2020 um, pandemic shutdown, three months of no income and letting my office go where I had a local in-person SAT and college admissions coaching to the point where I'm at now, where I've had clients in 17 states and six countries. Um, there's huge advantages to being able to connect this way. But there's also to be able to give someone a hug, to be able to sense the energy and the pheromones and just the physicalness of sharing space with someone hmm. is a different phenomenon. And it's when I meet people that I've become close friends with online for the first time in person and get to give them a hug. And it's just the energy is different. And then you get to interact with them online differently. So I think that folks that have had so many positive interactions in digital space, but have not had as many in physical space, they've gained some things but lost others. And navigating that as we get back to a degree of normal is a challenge for folks that are going off to college now. And uh, you're, you're, what you're saying is made me think of a new of another show that we we need to do we need to get a we need to get a round table of some people to talk about this and that is you know how is this virtual connection what effect is it really having the positives and the negatives on the sure. younger generations because you know I've, I've told this story before you know I had a friend who who asked me to talk to his daughter about her boyfriend problems at age 15. And I was like, I don't want to get involved with this. Please. No, I don't want a 15 year old girl friend, boyfriend problems. That's just, please. But they were friends. How many students bring that stuff up to you? But I was like, well, they're friends. I told him I would at least listen mm -hmm. to what she was saying and tell them what I heard. I was not going to, yeah. I would, and they recommend something. I didn't want to be the person who gave advice and then have a friendship go bad. Sure. But sure. I would listen. Mm-hmm. Well, two minutes into conversation with this young lady, I figured out that this boyfriend she had was virtual only. They mm -hmm. had never met in person. And this was pre-pandemic that uh, this right. conversation happened. Mm -hmm. And I was like, what? <laughs> and the biggest issue is she thought this kid, the boy was cheating on her. And I just wanted to go, cheating on what? He's snapping someone else? I mean, what is... But, but when you think about it, though, the key aspect of a relationship is emotional intimacy. And that's possible whether you're physically connected or not. And if two people have agreed to be loyal to each other, hmm. then it's still just as much as cheating, just as much of a betrayal. But again, that's from the aspect of meeting folks where they are and validating their experience, even if it's different from our own, even if it's different from our preconceptions. Mm. Mm. I got a feeling we got some audience that have stuck with us this far, and they're like, I need to know more about what's going on and how to connect with this. So how can they connect with you if they wanted to find out more about what you have to offer? You mentioned a book in there as well and classes sure. that you have. How can, they, how can they connect with you? So easiest way to find me 
Um, you can go to my website, joshiscoaching.com. Um, you can look me up on social media. I'm Josh Aronovich on Facebook. Uh, I am Josh the SAT guy on Instagram. And I am Josh Aronovich on TikTok. Um, can also uh, Google my name you'll, and go to the website. You'll find content information. You can also, if you're interested, get a copy of my book, The College of Their Dreams, What Every Parent Needs to Know to Help Their Teens. And that's available in paperback and Kindle format on Amazon. Um, and my contact information is in the book as well. Um, I want to make it as easy as possible for folks that I can help to reach out to me and at least have that initial conversation and see if I'm the one that can help them achieve their dreams, not just for college, but for life. It's just you that's in the organization. You, you don't have a team. Um, so it's, or... it's me. I, um, I call her my Spock uh, because she's my first officer, but also she's my special projects and operations coordinator. Uh, Joe Tarabarelli um, is uh, the other member of the team at this point. Um, as far as the coaching right now, that's just me. Um, I will probably expand that at some point in the future, but I'm very, very careful in terms I of understand. doing that because I want to make sure that anyone that I bring on is able to create the same respect, rapport, and results. Mm. Josh, this is, again, you know, before the show started, stuff we were talking about that this podcast is really just you and I having a conversation mm -hmm. in, in our living room and we're letting people listen to us. And that I most of the time I don't know where it'll go and, and where to go with. This went in some great directions for me, talking Absolutely. about the path, the purpose, and passion. I took a lot of notes here uh, that I want to do in it. And there's going to be an extended conversation with you after we end this because oh, I've got sure. some referrals for you that I want to talk to you about as well. So would love that. This is great. And an audience. All the information on how to connect with him is going to be in the show notes. If you'll look down, if you're looking on YouTube, if you'll just click down, you'll see all this. If you're listening, go back to your app and you'll see all the, the links available there. You can just click on those. Hopefully your app has uh, the capacity to do hyperlinks because we'll put those in there and you'll be able to get it very easily to connect with him. Josh, Josh, thank you for thank you for being with us today. Um, thank, thank you for having me and thank you for the work that you do. Oh, thank you. Um, you do so much to help folks um, to view the world in, in different ways, to gain access to the support that they need, that we are truly both, I think, doing the same work in different ways uh, in helping people to grow into those best versions of themselves. So I appreciate you. I appreciate what you do. Uh, and you. I appreciate uh, this podcast. Well, I appreciate that. That means a lot to me. That, that, that makes me feel good. I hate to end the show now, <laughs> but thank yeah, you, audience. We'll come on again at some point in the future. Well, we do need I to feel like this that. is just chapter one of the conversation. I feel like if we got uh, several of us just talking mm -hmm. uh, on on these these topics and stuff, mm -hmm. we could we could bring some real value as well. That would be wonderful. But thank you, audience, for sticking with us today. Someone that you know, and you know this is true, audience. Someone that you know needs to hear what you just heard, needs to see what you just said. So please like and share and comment on this podcast so that it can reach as many people as it can. And we would really appreciate it. And we'll see you again next week on the Gen Z Show. Thank you for joining us on the Gen Z Show and being a part of our community. Please subscribe to our channels on YouTube and on your favorite podcast app. And follow us too on Instagram and Facebook to get weekly updates. Until our next show, 
Have a blessed day.